podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Liverpool Match Review. This is a two-parter. The first part is our chat down the pub after the game from the Basket Makers Arms in Brighton with an array of the usual suspects. Part two will be Peter and I on Zoom chatting in a bit more detail about the game and also looking ahead briefly to the Spurs match that comes up this Wednesday. We're in the Basket Makers Arms. It's post-match. I'm with Duncan, a staunch Albion fan, Andy Bravery, friend of the podcast who's been on many times before, but not recently. So welcome back to you, Andy. Thank you. Yep, lo- lovely, lovely. And we also have Keishan. Is that right? I've got that right. I've got that right. Who, who is a friend of Alan, who will be joining us shortly, also a friend of the show. But Keishan, you're, you're a Liverpool fan, so let's go your take on the game first. 2 to win for Liverpool. Uh, thoughts on the game? Fair result? Uh, Details of the match. What did, what did you think? Fair, fair result. The first goal was a bit confusing. Um, sitting with the Albion fans, wasn't sure whether it was a goal or a red card or whether it was just a foul. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and ball, I didn't see that. But any which way, we'll take that, yeah. <laughs> In case anyone's wondering if that's a traditional Scouse accent, you'll probably notice here it isn't. Keishan is originally from South Africa. You've been in the U- you've been a long time Liverpool fan, but you've been in the UK for about a year, living in Camberley. Is well, yeah, that right? I'll correct you. Six months, exactly six. Six months. months? Yeah, okay. Six months. Living yeah. Camberley, yeah. 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 But a source Liverpool fan. We were a load of Liverpool fans at the pub earlier. Uh, good, good fun, weren't they? They were great. Yeah. Ingratiated themselves into our, into our company, and we we we. One to the good on Jaeger bombs, thanks to those guys as well. Typically, uh, Liverpool fans do have a shot or two, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's typical, yeah. I've, I've got to ask you, while you're on, um, Liverpool have kept the pressure going on Man City ahead of their game, I think it's tomorrow, I think it is. Um, but uh, overall, they are in a position where they've been pushing for the title. They've won the League Cup. They're in the FA Cup quarter-final. They're in the Champions League quarter-final. They're in the hunt for the for the league title. Is it possible they could win the quadruple? It is possible, but uh, bear in mind Liverpool have started off early. They've won the Carabao Cup already. First, yep. firstly, yep. that's our first cup that we've won already. Um, it's it's hard to say. Both teams have been playing well. Liverpool have had some luck. City have City look good on paper. They do, they're really good. They play well also. You look at them in general, they look good. But Liverpool have been grinding themselves. Yeah. If, if you look in general, Liverpool's uh, defence, Van Dijk is a beast. Yeah. No one's getting past Van Dijk. Yeah. If you look at today's game, games before that, it's hard to get past him. It's very... They've got a very high line. And you think he's sluggish, but it's really hard to get past him. <laughs> it's so solid, isn't it? It's so clinical as well. I, I know Salah missed one or two chances, but yeah. all in all, all in all, they're so clinical, aren't they? This is one of my, this one of my first game watching Liverpool play. 
Mane is an absolute fucking beast. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 go ahead, that's fine. Mane is something else. Yeah. Watching him on TV and watching him in person, I love Salah, but Mane, wow. Intelligent Ronnie. I remember there was one attack where he held back, held back, held back, then somebody burst forward. I thought, this is great. This is what we're missing at the moment. Yeah, he's really good. But uh, Salah is good, but Mane is strong. He's really strong. He's, he's our, cha- our charm for me today. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah. This guy is like good. Uh, I mean, you won the game today too, Neil. I think that's about a fair result. Uh, looking at the footage, it looks like we could have had, and uh, probably should have had, our, our goalkeeper sent off. That looked like a red card to me. <laughs> I've got to say we got away with one there. Sitting in the ground, I didn't see that. No, same here, same here. Afterwards, when I saw the footage, oh, that was a red card challenge, yeah. Should have been, could have been, but any which way. Yeah. Because the results all good. Well, um, yeah. yeah. Well, the quadruple is still on. So who knows what will happen with that. But we'll, uh, we'll come to that a bit more in a moment. Yeah. I'm going to pass myself over now to your colleague, which is how I know you, <laughs> Alan, friend of the show. How you doing? Um, I've been better, I've been worse. <laughs> yeah, We've been talking to your colleague about Liverpool, the Liverpool side of things. Obviously, yeah. they've got a, a good result from their point of view. The title challenge is on. From our side of it, a record number of Premier League defeats in a row, five. Uh, not, not exactly a surprise today, but... What do you make of the game, man? And can we look on from this with some kind of promise? I think it's, it was a little bit disappointing. I think uh, today, today actually, which is a little bit different from what we've seen before. That I felt that we we did actually look like the weaker side. Yeah, Liverpool did actually look the stronger side. Which uh, actually, when we played some some of the big sides in the past recently. Um, we've, we've held our own, but actually today I think actually we did look, look at a class of below. Yeah, them. they were bossy, weren't they? Yeah. some degree. Yeah. So, um, but the big the big moment for me was when uh, Trossard missed that chance oh. just, just after half time because I felt that um, if he got that target in, in, the net, in the back of the net, then. Then we could have been back in it. But nevertheless, there seemed to be a kind of a tendency recently that other teams have seemed to have found out a way of compressing their midfield a little bit and stifling our play in midfield. And without without someone like uh, Webster, who's playing in the back, who's able to yeah. walk, carry the ball forward, we seem to be struggling. And there's a combination of that, plus the fact that one or two of our players are a little bit off form. I felt the Trossard really wasn't in the game too much. I mean, um, he's been struggling big time, hasn't he, Trossard? Yeah. I think it's time for a rest. Yeah. If Sarmiento's fit, I would bring him in, because yeah. I think Trossard needs a rest. He's, yeah. he's, he's not doing it at all, is yeah. he? No. And he might as well try something else. But, 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 but fundamentally, I'm not particularly worried, because I think we're, we're progressively improving. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think there's players that we're going to bring into the side next season who potentially have some good attributes. Some of the lone players we've got out, some of the players we've bought. And I think we're kind of moving, moving right on a ratchet, basically, up, up and up. Yeah. And, okay, we, yeah, we, we're going, maybe ratchet side, we're going a little bit down, down, down. But generally speaking, it's, it's, it's always like a two steps up, two, one step back all the time. And I think 
that's that's the way us as Brighton fans have got to look at it. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Because it's not going to be perfect. At the end of the day, if I, when we're in the Championship, we always wanted to be near the top and we're happy. In the Premier League, it's a different situation. We've got to be happy with where we are. We've really got to be realistic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Harriet from the Anfield Rap we had on the last episode, uh, she asked us, are we happy with our position? Will we take where we are now? Uh, this was uh, 13th pre-match. Uh, beginning of the season, yes. During the season, up till that point, no. But having good drops to 13th, knowing what could befall us further down the line with slipping further places, I would take it at the moment. Yeah. It would it would represent progress, wouldn't it? It's a good, I, I looked at um, it's an interesting interesting thing to look at someone a player like Diaz, mm. the new player that the new Liverpool taken. There's no way now 100 million years that Brighton would have signed him. Yeah, I, I, we were apparently in for him a few years ago for three yeah. million. But, but now but he turned us down. Yeah, exactly. But they, yeah. there was no way we'd get a player like him. So, and Liverpool would look at him and say, okay, he's got all the attributes, he's got the the skill set, he's got the dynamism. Yeah. You know, he's got the speed, he's got the skill. Um, and, 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 and Liverpool are willing to pay the, the kind of wages and the salary and the, and the transfer fee to take him, take that player. Yeah. But there's no way that Brighton would ever be in the market for a player like that. And if we got him, he wouldn't be there for long, would he? No. So, yeah. at the end of the day, we, we've got to be realistic with where we are. And we've just got to enjoy it. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I've had a really good day today. I went to the game. I mean, I arrived at the Brighton at 10 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, I've had a few beers, I went to the game, I thought Brighton played quite well, I think we, you know, we, 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 we did well, it was a enjoyable day, and I've had, I've had a cracking time, <laughs> in the so I've had a fantastic day, that's, that's the way you've got to look at it. Absolutely, Honestly, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. and we're in, we should mention we're in the Basket Makers in town, what a great pub, great food, great company. We ran into a few Scousers. When exactly. I say Scousers, I mean, one, one of them originally was a Scouser. The rest are his family brought up in Norfolk. But, but at least he was a Scouser originally. But uh, the, thing is, the funny thing is that you're going with a Scousers today. Yeah. And we're having a good laugh. Ah, so it's been a great time, haven't we? We, we could have been... We could, if we were in the lower division, we could have been playing Rochdale. And having a great laugh with them. laugh with them. It's the same thing. And at the end of the day, the funny thing is, with Liverpool is that when we actually do outplay them, it's even better because, yeah. because yeah. they've got to hate it even more. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, it's the same. It's a much of a muscher, whoever the fans are. Yeah, yeah. They just happen to be in bigger numbers from a bigger city. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's okay. the same sensibility. It's going to be good fun. And uh, the fact that we've been ready to take a piss out of um, Duncan... <laughs> well, before he was here, was was rather, rather good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to explain, Duncan was not here earlier, and we sung a song about him, which was very similar to the abusive song, Song About Me, ring-led by you, Duncan, last week at Newcastle Away. Yeah, Ahmed, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the game today and your general thoughts on the album. Um, we were generally... 
probably going to lose to uh, Liverpool, so 2 0 is probably what's going to happen. Although we, uh, you know, we had some lovely bright moments yeah. where I think we could have scored goals. So uh, disappointed we couldn't couldn't actually make it two one. Yeah. Um, but overall, you know, we're in the best league in the world. We're up there, mid mid table. We are, you know, competing pretty pretty well um, overall over the season. Um, and although it's been a shitty five games, um, we're still we're still good. And you know, we were talking earlier that we've supported this team. Since we were in the bottom, bottom four, uh, and we are, we are. I, I, I will always support the Albion. We're always going to lose against Liverpool, probably, <laughs> probably. Yeah. But I just, I just love this team, and I, I'm not disappointed by today yeah. I'm positive and we were brilliant in the first 10 to 15 minutes weren't oh we? god yeah no it's amazing we, uh, we talked about the chicken and egg thing with the crowd and yeah. the players the, the fans there's no coincidence the fans were up for it today more than average yeah. and the players started better than average in those first 10 to 15 minutes would you agree with that and what do you make of that no, I, I agree completely. I, I was saying it. I was saying it half time. Definitely. You know, we were. Oh God, it was so disappointing. No, we were. We're playing really, really well. And then um, I just knew. I was saying to. I had a friend who doesn't know too much about football. Andy, come and sit by me. And then I said, look, we're going to play really well and then we're going to concede. Yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) I said the same thing. And it's exactly what we did. So it's really unfortunate. I was going to come and say, because actually you picked up on something which I meant to say, because actually if you look at the Liverpool side, they did not really have many chances. If you think about it, they did not have many shots. Sanchez had, did not have a lot to do. No. At all. The shots on target were powder puffs. Yes, yeah, so. Apart from think, the goals. I think if you look at this, I'm not sure if you can look at the statistics or not, but actually, Sanchez will probably think, well, actually, I've, I've, not, I've not really had a lot to do in the game. So, I think we did quite well, actually. But, yeah. we, but we've got to take our chances. No, I yeah. agree. We, we are. We are really brilliant under Potter. I'm not anti-Potter at all. We're losing games, but he is absolutely superb. What we need to do is just galvanise those chances and score goals. And whether that is whether we need some more attacking options. I know this elusive striker in inverse commas but but maybe not, you know, we just we just need to carry on and play. I'm not one of these bed weapons that suddenly gonna um, suddenly gonna go, oh my god, we're horrible. We're not. We are a really good 
middle, middle uh, Premier League side that are actually playing brilliant football and that are just a tweak away from being really, really top ten. Yeah. Let's go back to Keishan. What's your view as a Liverpool fan in the <coughs> the home end today, as it happens? And but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but a Liverpool fan nonetheless. Uh, yeah. What's your impression of us? No, to, uh, to be fair, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Um, if it, there's, there's been a few games you've taken your chances. Yeah. You, you, you'd be definitely up there. You'd be probably top four, actually. Not um, above <laughs> Liverpool, but uh, yeah, you'd be well, definitely. No, of course. To be fair, <laughs> really. <laughs> going into. Um, Going to the new year, you guys were up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we were. All you guys needed was to win games. Yeah. And I mean, we had a series of bad yeah, results. Exactly. And how do you classify bad results? Draw uh, is not a bad result, actually. But it loses your points. You, and you, you drop lower and lower and lower down the table with the draw. What will have been been down that road? We've been really good and we've dropped fucking points. <laughs> just, just drawing games. It happens. Yeah. yeah. But it just takes for you to, to win. To take the chance, win. That's I guess, one goal. I guess bad result means a weaker result than we should have had. And for, for us, Burnley should have been a draw. Villa should have been, a, I think, a win. Um, uh, to, to be fair, Newcastle should have been, should a, been a draw. Yeah, no... I've watched, I've, I've watched Brighton play. There's, there's been a lot of games that the guys should have won. Yeah. Just consider the goal. And it, it comes down to, to the Premier League is, can you defend one goal? Uh, you need, previously, yes. A, this a good not team, sure. a good team can defend a one goal lead. Yeah, yeah. That's Duncan was saying there, typical uh, narrative. We start well, we play well, yeah, you, dominating, good see. Well. Uh, it happens you're, all the time. You have been rampaged by a few injuries and stuff, but it doesn't help. Yeah. That, uh, but at this time of the season, this is where your depth, depth in your squad needs to Absolutely. come. This is the, this yeah. is the part in the season where... You need to have depth in your squad. Yeah, it's a good point. And next season, hopefully, there will be more to that. I think yeah. there's plans to have a bit more depth to the squad next season. Yeah. We'll see. And finally, we're going to talk to Andy Bravery, friend of the show, regular guest contributor. Although you may wonder, really, who's that? He's not been on for a while, has he? But he's here in the pub with us. Andy, what's your take on the game and our season? I think I think for the game today, basically, if you're going to be a team that are up there, the top teams in Europe, uh, you've got to get an early goal. You've got to get impetus. You've got to get the crowd behind you, and you've got to hope they're having a bit of a, a bit of an off day. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't get the goal, and too many of their players were not having an off day, particularly at the back. I thought they were really solid, and I thought we. It was a good performance by us. I thought we did the best we could, but we really couldn't ask enough questions of them. And Van Dyke just goes up in my estimation every time I watch him. No, I think I think you summed it up well there. And you've just reminded me, actually, in saying your surname, that there's a a fan of the show, a listener to the show, with the same surname as you, Antipodean, I believe, 
who listens. If you are listening again, I can't remember your first name. I do apologise. But the surname Bravery is a great name. Is it a Sussex name, by the way? Must be. That's a, I don't know, look, on his face. <laughs> there are various theories. Uh, one of the theories is that we came over with the Normans. Ah. That was a teacher's theory back in the back in the day. Was on a field trip at Pike, Pike House. Pike House, uh, you know, last field trip in Faith Country. Um, someone else just says that actually along the line, back in the 1600s, they just changed it for another name. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, 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 I like to feel like descent from the Normans. Same with my name. My name could be French, Dutch, or. Anglo-Saxon from many, many centuries ago. It sounds very French. Um, it, could, it could be, it could be. Yeah. an unusual name when people comment on it. Bit of a lazy person, Skyver. Skyver, Skyver, yeah. Oh, no. I've heard that since school, honestly, Alan. <laughs> After a few fine shit, yeah, yeah. it all comes out. All the pain and the agony comes back. Uh, well, I mean, Andy, what, Andy, what you've said is interesting because... I think, yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Who knows what's coming up with this team? At the moment, the problem with the last few games is, like, it's not Basuma, it's not Sanchez, it's not any individual. It's the fact that we've got four or five of our best players who are just a little bit off ball, and we don't have Webster. Yeah. And I've really noticed without Webster, that whole playing from the back and moving forward and taking yeah. the ball forward, creating some space for Lamptey, yeah. it's just not there. Yeah. And it's a struggle, really, and I don't know what Clark does about it. And hopefully we just get enough points and we're safe quite soon and then see where we end up. It's really, it's panning out to be like every other season where we're beginning to like look below us and not above us. We're safe, Andy. We're safe already. Honestly, we had this discussion with him. What's that? I'm convinced 32 points was enough to find. is the new 40. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I, I think the way I, the way I look at it is that we've done it, we've, I think we've had a good season so far. Okay, we've had a few bad, bad points, but I've enjoyed, enjoyed their season. But I think the way the Potter will look at it, he, he would get, uh, he would get some players in. He would get these uh, players from uh, Undav and Kazlowski and, and basically, but also you get some of the lone players back. And there will be, there will be some kind of, some kind of summer camp. And the way that I think the Potter looks at it, they, they're very structured the way they look, they're organised the way they look at things. And basically they get all these players together and they start mixing it around and they're seeing what they want for the next season. And I think next year we'll, we'll, we'll improve again. And we'll, we'll make another step forward. And that's the way we've got, we're really, really important as Brighton supporters. We've got to look at it in that way. It's one step at a time, isn't it? It's methodical, it's calculated, it's uh, considered. The thing is, though, Alan, uh, you go to away games, don't you? I do, yeah. So I go to home games, and because I was on holiday, I didn't see any games in August. So as a home fan only, and there's a lot of us out there, I've only seen the speed friends with this season. You know, and it's like... And I'm not a, I'm not a particularly uh, critical fan, but... I can see why someone's struggling a little bit at the moment, in some ways. I don't blame Potter at all, and I think it's hard to get home wins, but, yeah, three wins all season at home, and I think that's one of the sort of slight numbers on his, on his, um, his record that I think probably means that some fans don't feel the love for him that I think they should be. Personally, I think they should, but... Well, this is interesting because the chicken and egg situation, the fan, the contribution, the atmosphere versus the performance of the players. For me, 
it was never more sensibly put than in today's game. We came out with a very good atmosphere in the crowd, and we started very well. I don't think that's a coincidence. What I think is the problem is, I think the crowd went a bit flat over time by natural course, whatever. And about three, four minutes later, Liverpool scored the goal against the runner play, which we thought was going to happen. We were dominating the possession and everything else, but it felt like that goal might come, and sure enough, painfully, predictably, it did. However, I, I think the fans had dropped off by the time of that goal. Yeah, but I, see, I, I think look, the issue is that the fans are up for the games. But they need they need a goal. They need a fairly early goal. They need something to get behind, and then they'll get behind the team. And I don't think this season, for whatever reason, the team have done that enough at home. I agree with you. And the problem with that is then it's like the fans then go quiet. The opposition score, and at the moment there's not a set of fans at the Amex who then get behind the team and raise the spirits. I agree with you. I think it's a good point. However, I do think we sit back and expect to be entertained. This this particular crowd. I think we're a bit too... Entitled's not the right word, and I don't want to get into Arsenal territory, but I think we expect to be entertained already at this level okay. in this division. I don't quite, I don't quite see it like that. I don't, it's not so much about being entertained, but what I want to see is uh, we need that goal. I mean, yeah. We just don't get it, and yeah. the crowd don't get galvanised by it. Because you could just see it the other way. We get an early goal, the crowd get behind them, and then we push forward, and all of a sudden, you know, we're a better team because of it. I agree with you. However, I think as soon as we tailed off on this support, as soon as it went into that middle of the game, middle of the half sort of thing, we just seemed to lose intensity. And we were playing some great stuff in those first 10 minutes. McAllister, with that little twist swivel thing, whatever he was doing, some other bits that were going on, the interplay, the, the triangles, there was some great stuff going on. It was all in Liverpool's half. We had the domination of possession. I don't know what the stats were at that point. We were definitely in the ascendancy. We may have made it count, we may have not, but we were looking great. And I, I do think... I do think that our fans need to be disproportionately enthusiastic in, in as much as I think that will make the difference to a lethargic, easy-to-please set of players who will just settle into their stride. It feels like we all too easily settle into a stride. I, I, can, I can say in the West Upper, Duncan here, that I can say in the West Upper we were... Really singing. We were. Oh, we were. Really, we were yeah. yeah, yeah, we were really behind the team. Uh, the uh, uh, North Stand were leading, but everyone was, and I was, and I was certainly were various points. Where it did I, drop off though, didn't it? Yeah, it did drop off. And well, then, and then we went behind. The only person singing. <laughs> people were, people really were asking for you to be ejected. That <laughs> was really trying to get on. So, it is, you know, it's difficult when you're behind, but, I mean, I think we're playing some really good football, some really good football. Don't be despondent, is all I'm saying. I think that's fair enough, and uh, Salah, how the fuck he was 7th or 8th in the Ballon d'Or or whatever it was. That's ridiculous. Yeah, today he did. But ultimately, we did not give them many chances. No. Yeah, I agree. We did not give them any chances. I mean, how many chances? When I looked at it, actually, how many shots did Sanchez have to have to, have to save? Really, reality. Uh, apart from regulation claims, 
two, three. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you've got to really look at that and say, actually, that's a that's a real positive. Yeah. The problem is, is when we came out in the second half and we created a fantastic chance for Trossard, oh. and he ballooned the over the bar. Now, oh, yeah. we, oh, I mean, at the end of the day, if we if we put it in the back of the net, then it would have been one one. And then we're looking at something a totally different picture. And then they're scared. I think the crux is the penalty. In they get the second goal, yeah. and who's sitting in the stand thinking we're going to get two goals? For that. Yeah, exactly. At uh, one 0 we might get a chance, we might get a draw, and then we don't know where it's going to go. But that second goal, the penalty, that just kind of killed it. Really. And we, we've done it before. We're not going to do it again. We're not going to do it two times yeah, in one season. The thing we? is, if you, uh, it'd be interesting to uh, to discuss the game with uh, with a neutral supporter. Who's yeah. not either looking at Brighton or, or Liverpool? And I, 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 I've got a feeling actually, a neutral supporter would say actually Brighton were in this game. Yeah, I thought we played well. Liverpool were the best side. Yeah, they were the better players. I mean, they're one of the I best two or three teams in Europe. So actually, Brighton had a chance. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but arguably Liverpool is still still. Player for player, looks at the best side. And we do need to mention the red cards. I've, I've looked at that back. That looks like a red card to me. I, I can't remember. I'm going to have to look on TV. I haven't seen a replay, but I think he's a bit lucky as well. I think. Have you seen that? Yeah, I think if that ball doesn't go in the goal. Then it's only red cards. I'm afraid to say. 100% agree with that. Duncan, have you seen it back? No, I haven't seen Oh, okay. That. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, my, I'm my, view is that, my view is James having seen it. I mean, he put, basically puts his hand in his face and his foot across his chest at the same time at fairly rapid speed. It's a slightly mistimed challenge, in essence. However, it doesn't look great. I think maybe, I think as Andy said, I think the fact he scored did help us, actually. Yeah. Without that, he's definitely getting sent off. No doubt. Uh, well, the handball, though, on the other hand, second half, Alisson, Alisson, Becker, Becker, supposedly handballed it outside the area. He did. He did. He did it. I was. Well, the, 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 no, no, no. The angle I saw. The angle I saw. He was touching. He was handling the ball outside the area, definitely. And the people in the east stand, we know, have said the same. Who knows? Ultimately, though, I, I think overall, I think it's probably about a fair result. We weren't expecting anything. <laughs> Andy and Duncan are now watching this on video as we speak, and. I can't see it. Is this the Alison Becker thing? That's a red card, isn't it? All day long. Sanchez. We're talking about the Sanchez scenario. And that's dangerous play. He's got to go for that. That's a, that's a shoe marker. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Anyway, no, uh, a lot of people have complained about my team today. And can I just say, my team, I think, overall he gets stuff right. Today, when he was playing advantage... His arms were right up in the air in an overly dramatic, theatrical way. He really needs to sort that out. Awful. 
in terms of a ref, it's gold, yeah. and he doesn't give a red card. Yeah. I think if he gives a red card, regardless of the goal, then I think they would back him when he'd be off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he doesn't give a red card probably because the ball's gone in the, yeah. in the goal. But he I, gives one, basically. Wow. Yeah. Can I say one other thing? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Been getting a lot of grief lately for Suma. Yeah. But as soon as he got taken off, we looked far more vulnerable in the counter attack through the middle. Yeah. And I think that's simply because he wasn't playing anymore. I agree. Yeah. I, you agree? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. 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 I agree too as well, Alan. I think um, he's a great player. He's maybe not playing at his best. There are thoughts that it may not just be an attitude thing. It might be to do with injuries or yeah. other, illness or whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was, I thought he was better today. I thought there's a number of individual performances that were better. McAllister, I thought was better. March was better. Kukureya was better. Um, I think uh, maybe uh, I don't know. I, I think the issue with me is Trossard. I think Trossard is just not feeling it at the moment. I think what we need to do is rest him for two or three games, and if he's available, bring in Salmiento and give him a clean slate. Say here you go, two or three games. Trossard's been rested. He's not on the on his on his game. Put you in. See how you do. What do you think about that? Yeah, agree. You're scoring a West Ham, didn't you? Don't? Yeah, yeah, and 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 then Kukure um, is amazing. He's absolutely superb. But uh, I think also I think we were really unlucky when uh, Lalana was subbed off after five minutes coming. <laughs> coming I did on. say don't sub Lalana off. <laughs> oh, on sorry, because he'll come off. And I meant it as a joke. Five minutes. <laughs> five minutes later, it was off. Within five, so we're, you know, we're one sub down, and it, and it probably influences Potter's tactical yeah. awareness. How, how he's going to bring in exactly. other subs. So he's now got a, he's, he's on the back foot there immediately. So frustrating. So, yeah. Anyway, there we go. So, uh, 2-0 defeat, five defeats in a row. I don't feel too bad about the last couple of performances. However, we need to get back onto a winning track. We've got Spurs on Wednesday, home game, rescheduled. Um, I think we can win that game. Let's just quickly say what you guys think. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Duncan, <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> what do you think? Oh, God. Um, I think they're going to win. So 2-1. 2-1 Spurs. Oh, God. Oh, God. Andy. Are you cheering us up more? Come on, Andy. Well, all I'm saying is I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a draw. So we're either going to win or lose. <laughs> and I can't really say it at the moment. Nice cop out. I love it. I love it. And Alan. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I've got to, I've got to go with Duncan. Actually, I'll, I'll just, I've just got this feeling. Unfortunately, there's, there's, there's a number of different players in the Tottenham side that, unfortunately, unsettle me. Son and Kane. <laughs> But then uh, there's uh, Hoiberg in midfield, which I think we've got. We've got the make. We can. We can beat him. Yeah. Um, so he could go either way, but I've just got this feeling, unfortunately, that um, Conte will get the get the best of us. Oh, I hope you're wrong. I usually get my predictions wrong, so we now know two one to the Albion is utterly not happening. <laughs> but here we are in the basket makers with Andy Bravery. Duncan Lees, Anna Dodd, and me, Russell Guyver, signing out from this sort of pseudo match day special. And now it's back to the studio with, oh, me again, and Peter.
Thank you, Russell. Yes, it is indeed. Back to me, Russell, and to my co-host, Peter, who's now joined us for the proper post-match review in a bit more detail. Um, Peter, you weren't able to go to the game, but you watched on TV in full, didn't yeah. you, and saw the game? Um, yes. And what did you make of it? Yeah, it's. I think, I don't think you can really argue with anything that happened. We started off quite brightly, as we did against Villa, and then I think they've lost, yeah, it didn't really continue with the momentum, and then they scored, and the goal kind of completely kind of took the game, not away from us, but kind of completely changed the game, didn't it, really? And from that, before, while not creating loads and not forcing attention to loads of saves, never really, until the last couple of minutes when, when um, Alisson made a couple of good saves from Welbeck, did never really look like they were going to give up that lead. And, yeah, Sanchez, potentially quite fortunate, but, I mean, I think that this, this high, this whole clear and obvious error but the thing is so random these days you know it's like when you look at like Tarkowski's goal against us which wasn't disallowed and then you look at some of the other are overturned that like Dunk sending off at Man U it's so random it completely depends on the official on the day it's yeah it, it wasn't a great challenge but it was in the you know it's people looking back on it and talk about it in slow motion it was in the split second that he had to do it and it you know he yeah. wasn't particularly I don't think he meant anything by it but yeah it probably wasn't we couldn't have any arguments if it was a red Penalty yeah. is, is a clear penalty. He had his arm out. Don't know why Basuma had his arm there, to be honest. I don't know what he was doing, what what he was thinking having his arms. It wasn't it wasn't in any way close to his body, so arguments there. Um, big question mark, I'd say, about Alisson going out of the box, but it wouldn't have been a red card anyway. It would have been a yellow, so... Hmm. Yeah, I'll go along with all of that. In, I think the, the, the Allison situation, I think it's probably inconclusive. There wasn't a definitive angle on it, but it looked like he just about kept it in, I think. Um, it may have gone out. It might have done, but, um, I don't think the linesman necessarily had any, any more of a clue than we would from, from his angle. It's side on. You, you can see it's going to be close, but we didn't have put the ball his side of the penalty area, so. Yeah, he, he was conscious to keep so, the ball over. So the keeper yeah. couldn't yeah. actually, the keeper, the, the lineman couldn't yeah. actually see it because yeah. he needed to see through him. And yeah, VAR aren't going to get involved unless it was a red card potentially. So yeah, and if it had been a red card, that would have been outrageous given that Sanchez wasn't given a red card. Yeah. For I mean, it's never a red card, but it's that sort of that sort of area. That's the only yeah. reason VAR would have got involved, and and it's yeah. not penalty, obviously by definition. So yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. And going back to the Sanchez thing, I do think that was a red card. I think it was just, it, I don't think it was anything maliciously intended, but I think he just came out with a view to just bombing out as soon as possible to negate the danger. Mistimed it by a fraction. You've then got a forceful connection, which doesn't look great, to be honest. It really took him off his feet. Hand was out. Leg was fairly high. As you said, it wasn't necessarily as high as it might have looked at first sight. But it was still, it was fairly much endangering an opponent, I would say, although not through deliberation, just through, yeah. as you said, mistiming. Uh, and I do think that um, it obviously had a bad impact on Diaz as well, because he couldn't stand on his feet for us the game, so it obviously had a big impact on him. Mm, yeah. Stand up, spend most of his time just on the floor rolling over instead. <laughs> I knew there would be some sarcasm in this sooner or later. <laughs> I think, I think he, he counted four times he rolled over at one point. One, <laughs> one, one really, obviously. Well, someone breathed on him, and he—I mean, yeah—he he looks a very good player, but he also was a massive cheat. Well, you can you can take the South American out of South America, but you can't take <laughs> um, you can't take the South American out of him, uh, so to speak. Um, anyway, yes, I think that's right, isn't it? I think I probably just stumbled on that one, but never mind. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, can't really complain. It's a it's an all too familiar pattern as well, wasn't it? We yeah. I, I even said there were two things I said in partly in sarcasm. One of them was, was as a prophecy deliberately. 
Um, the, the sarcastic one was about Lalana saying, well, um, just before half time, the guy that sits next to me, my seat neighbour, um, said, oh, I think this game really needs something like Lalana, actually. And I said, yeah, but the only problem is don't bring him on too soon or he'll end up coming off injured and we'll have to sub the sub. And sure enough, he was brought on at half time and, or just after, was it? And he was off within five minutes. It was, so it was half time, yeah. Half time, yeah. And the other, the other thing I said slightly sarcastically, but also slightly with the, the prophecy element is, yeah, we started well here. We're going to play well for 10-15 and then concede against run of play. And look what happens, yeah. And the game then changes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was very similar to Villa, although Villa took a little longer to score, having yeah. got the top. But, yeah, obviously the scoreline was the same as the Villa game. The, and, yeah, everything. Mike Dean was his, back to his normal, incompetent best, generally. Safe <laughs> to say, the worst yeah. decision in the game being to give a free kick against Kasuma when... Kasuma clearly got the ball off Keita and then Keita tried to hold his head in tents and he got, he got caught on the head or something like that. Uh, when we actually had a quite a decent chance to break, we had like three on two at that point and, yeah. and nil that would have been. I mean, that was the, I think Kasuma was so frustrated he got himself booked for, for the sense. Uh, probably. Yeah. Red I mean, I, I completely agree with you. That was by far and away his worst decision. I, I think a lot of the other stuff was niggly things that weren't yeah. necessarily game effective. He was centre attention like he loves to. He does that thing with his arms where, where he plays advantage, which fair enough, he plays advantage well at the right times. His arms are up in the air as if he's sort of praising the Lord rather than actually just pointing forwards, which I think is the normal protocol. That's what everyone else seems to do. Everything has to be an elaboration with him, which is generally irksome, isn't it? I think we can't just really think that's what's called being a twat. <laughs> Yeah, it was the Mike Dean show as usual. There, there, was, um, there was nothing that really cost us a game except possibly. Well, the presumable one. I mean, let, let, let me just put, it, put, let me put this to you, Peter. Um, I, I wouldn't say there was a nailed on certainty we were going to score from that presumer scenario. However, you, you watched us play. There's never a nailed on certainty. Yeah, there never is. No, but from a from. But, but may I pose the question? Was that any less of a goal scoring opportunity than a Langer Man United dunk? I know Andy not disagrees with us on this one because he's, he's told me so, but um, to me, I don't see that Alanga was going to get to that ball um, the other week. There was more chance, in my opinion, that Basuma's break could have led, as you said, with a three-on-two scenario potentially opening up of us creating and scoring a goal, hypothetically. Yeah, you said that Mike Dean should have been sent off for denying a goal for opportunity. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah well, that would be great, actually, send him off. But no, I mean... Really, I think um, that was a goal-scoring opportunity. Should have been um, allowed to go, and yet we, we were denied it effectively, weren't we? Mm. If he had any doubt, he could have let it flow, and then seen what VAR said if we scored. You know, yeah, exactly. What I was there for in a way, and then if it so, goes for a goal kick, he could have then pulled him out for the free kick. They're allowed to do that these days. I just, yeah, yeah. And Keita didn't help because Keita again cynically cheated basically by holding his head when when the yeah. didn't really go anywhere near his head. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my point, really. You know, I know it's, it's not an exact comparison thing. It's not one of those because um, it wasn't a player involved in it. But, but um, you know, the decision itself denied us a possible goal-scoring opportunity yeah. um, that was certainly no less so than... But probably one of our, probably our best chance of the game, probably. I mean, we didn't it would have been three on two at any point. Yeah, I mean, I would say it was our best chance of the game apart from it brings us neatly onto one chance, which I missed because I was just finishing my half-time beer, uh, was the Trossard shot, um, which um, I'm... I think that wouldn't have counted anyway, to be honest. I think Mopé handballed it in the... Handballed it in the run-up, yeah. And I, I think just probably... Say, I'm less, sort of, I'm less worried about... I know it's a dreadful shot, but I don't mm-hmm. see any way that would have counted given what they're giving for handball and build-ups for goals these days. 
I agree with you, and I do think it was a handball. I think he did that sort of tactical nudge with the t- with the shoulder in the permissible part of the shoulder slash arm area, but then it bounced onto his yeah, arm from there. Exactly. Yeah. So it and would have been a lot just of now. Times, in the old days, it would have been accidental, but these days they changed it. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. So it, it still that. benefited him to to then have his shot. Exactly. My point with the Trossard thing is, and um, yes, I agree, it would have been disallowed, or it should be disallowed if it was scored. But the point is, he didn't know. No. Even if he suspected it was going to be a dreadful shot, yeah, it's still a dreadful shot. We're still not getting our eye in, are we? And apart from Danny Welbeck's chance, which was pretty much the only genuine chance, I thought there was a really good good effort. Yeah. And it was well saved. And even then, that was too late. If we'd scored that, we probably wouldn't. Yeah. We would, we'd only been a minute left anyway, so we yeah. wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. So we we are following familiar patterns, with the exception of a faux pas last week where Dunk accidentally ruined it by scoring. We've, we're getting very familiar with two nil defeats at the moment. Well, and, uh, ironically, I was thinking the other day we've conceded, we scored one goal in the last five games, and in every single game we've conceded more than one goal individually. Yeah. So that's, that's why we're a, not winning games or getting your exactly. Is it eleven? I think it's eleven goals conceded altogether in those five games. We've scored, yeah. as we just said, the one goal there, the dunk goal, and it's it is a matter of concern. I, not in terms of. Um, for this season, but in terms of we don't get this sort of stuff sorted, not only, well, actually it is for this season because we're losing money by positions, yeah. but also if we're not getting it sorted while we've got the luxury of being in a fairly comfortable position um, and, and sorting stuff out during this period, we could have some issues if it is something more than just a blip in form. I think it probably is a bit of both. I do think there's elements to this which are more than just bad luck and a run of form and just things stop dropping for you. But I've been saying for a while, I don't think you've been playing that well all season. I don't think we've, mm. you compare it to last season where the number of chances to be created, the way we played, I don't think we've got close to that standard this season. And actually being where we were flattered us quite a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. well, I mean, it's come back to the old adage of when we play better, it's with zip, pace, confidence, moving the ball around the movement, the confidence, all those things come together. One feeds off the other and we play well. The first 10 minutes of this game, for example, um, if we played like that, as we have done earlier in the season, then I would disagree with you. But I do think more often than not, we haven't played like that. It's but not a those four wins, we were, we were dreadful for an hour at Burnley. We mm. were quite fortunate for the last half hour at Leicester once they scored to, to mm. hold on. Watford, we played well first half, but then just kind of didn't really need to do anything second half. And um, Brentford, we were quite fortunate to win in the end. So, I mean, even those four wins out of five, we, we passed us in, in a way. And Everton actually turned up and completely outplayed us, which hindsight isn't very good considering the season they're having. Yeah, I, I do think there's, there's things that need addressing. We, we talked about um, the defence, and Paul Hayward's flagged that up on one of the podcasts recently, uh, Brian Van, a journalist, who said that um, really the source of our problem is yeah, the finishing side of things is one thing, but you said that the defence, we've we've lost the solidity that allows us to build yeah. from the back. We've certainly missed Webster because Webster allowed Lamptey to, to flourish more, for example, um, and obviously just, just pure numbers we've suffered. We've had to tinker about with the formations, possibly not lining up as Graham Potter himself would like from the available players um, that we had. Um, but that's, the, yeah, we've, we've, we're discussing this on one of what's up. Yeah. That is the fault. Um, yeah, we, we could have had more blame anyone else but themselves. They've, they've had a situation where we've had, we have, we want to play three centre backs, ideally not including Kukurea, and ideally, you know, with Beltman the third, so he can play behind Lamptey. Um, and we've, we've, A, Potter won't play Duffy for whatever reason, he doesn't want to play him. And B, 
we've left ourselves that by selling burn and selling white in the summer, we've left ourselves short of numbers. And rather than actually having a bit of common sense, and I, I still don't, we discussed on the pod the other day as well, I think, with um, Andy was on, we still haven't, we still won't, you know, bring in a loan pay. Even if we wanted to leave our loanies out on loan, or we lost to go get him a new loan spell, we should have just tried to bring in an experienced player. I'm sure there were players available at centre-half who could have come in and done a job for us for six months and then, you know, you put themselves in a the shop window when they weren't getting games elsewhere. There must have been someone available. It's not a matter of improving other team's players because we don't need a centre-half longer term. We need a, we only need, you know, unless, of course, we decide we want to loan out our players again and we check them again next season. Mm. Well, you mentioned the loaning. We've loan in players and it would have been a perfect solution for six months to give ourselves a bit more depth rather than leaving ourselves really short in a position where we actually tend to play three players. Yeah, well, my contribution to that WhatsApp chat was to, well, to agree with that sentiment that we needed to loan someone in if we were deciding to, to, certainly to release Burn, for sure, maybe even without that, um, given Webster's checkered sort of history of injuries at the moment. But the other thing, the other point I was going to make was that, um, we, presumably we're, uh, part of the reason we're okay with Burn going as a long-term plan, it's a sensible move, getting reasonable value, etc., is that we would have other players we need to make room for who are going to have a longer-term future with us, hopefully, um, namely the people in the academy. And we've got people out on loan and people coming through the academy at the moment still with us, like Roberts. And whoever Graham Potter and the team are expecting to be the first choice on that list could have been brought into the equation. If it was Roberts, if he's not good enough, clearly not at the moment in Graham's mind, or there's some issues with injury or whatever it is, he's out of the equation. Fine. So who, who's the next best? Maybe Van Heck and Van Hecker, for example. If so, could he not be recalled? Maybe from a from his loan. Yeah, um, I think they probably didn't want to recall Van Hecker and Clark with them their team mm-hmm. motion and that sort of thing. On yeah. if you're trying to load out players in the future, if it looks like you're trying to like load, they might recall players halfway through the season. It looks a bit. Like, yeah, maybe. And if we're allowed to at all. Especially if we're interested in, potentially, in, if we are still interested in Brereton Dias, don't know yeah. if we're not, but if we were, that probably wouldn't be a good relationship with Blackburn if we then recalled Van Hecker in after the season. But there are, no, centre-half is one of those positions where you can probably pick up a, you know, a centre-back quite easily from, on loan from a club, mm. six-month deal. I, it just makes no sense. And the club just seems so stubbornly against any sort of loan. And I'm not talking about bringing in a young player like Lamptey and improving them for their club. I'm talking about bringing in someone to fill a gap for six months while we, while our players are always improving. And it's, yeah, it just makes no sense. And they've left themselves ridiculously short at centre-back and we're paying the price for it now because we've lost, like, we have, we have to play like Kukurea at centre-back potentially who is one of our best attacking outlets and doesn't work in that position. Or we're left with going four at the back which we doesn't really suit us with Kukurea and Lamptey. And it's it's only a club to own themselves to blame and positive to a degree as well because we won't play Duffy and we actually end up with the same amount of money we lose on places yeah. because of what happens. Yeah, because the scaling is so much for the Premier League. It, it really yeah. is off off the off the off the scale, really, isn't it? Because you can be a potential ninth and a potential fifteenth, sixteenth, which is what we're heading for at the moment. Yeah, be, yeah. and also the difference then that makes in the summer when we're looking to sign maybe one or two players and they're looking to go on a terrible run. You've you're looking really poor. Why would I come to you? You're probably going to go down this season. Yeah, and friend of the show, Robin, made the point that depending on how many positions we may have lost out on through not having burn and then getting the, the, the unluckiness with Webster's injuries, whatever you want to say, um, that those those number of positions could completely wipe out any value for money we perceive we made from the sale, but it being a good price, which I think it was a good price for Dan Byrne, but in its own right. But obviously, if we end up several positions lower, then pretty much all of yeah. that income is, is gone. 
I think it was it was a good it was a good price for Dan Bird if you ignore that Newcastle had just been taken over by one some of the richest people in the world and they were desperate. Mm. That's, yeah. I think if it, on a normal price it's okay for it's a decent price for Bird. I think we probably could have just tried to squeeze them a bit more money really, frankly. I mean they paid twenty five million for Chris Wood. Mm. So and that was on a, re- a release clause. They would have probably paid more if they could know if they had. Yeah. You could certainly pay through the nose, as you said, the circumstances of what they needed, the desperation they needed to get someone in. They failed on a couple of targets already by that point, hadn't they? Botman and, and the Spanish fella, I can't remember yeah. his name. Um, so they, they, you know, they were in a position of desperation. It was coming right towards the end of the window, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was. And he was in, he was in a peak form, but it's one of those things when something's at the peak, you pay premium prices. So yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we should have pushed them for 17, 18 mil, whatever. I don't know what how far we could have potentially got up to, but yeah, maybe we should have got more on the basis that we'd say, well, we need him. He's a first choice regular. We have got a couple of players with checkered injury issues at the moment. You know, Dunk had been out at the, around that time. Webster had his, his history of injuries. Um, Lamptey, of course, you know, you never know at some point could get injured and we might need development at right back or something, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe we'd just say, make it worth our while that extra bit. The, the, the question mark is, of course, if we end up not doing a deal because they're not willing to be held to ransom, um, then have you got an unhappy player who therefore won't function as he should have done I'm anyway? Not, I'm not convinced Byrne would have done that. I don't think he's a sort of player to do that. I mean, everything I've heard is that he would have been happy to stay, but you know, once the deal agreed, he, was, he, he, he would have got all he would have go. You know, if, like, he wasn't going to go down tools and refuse to play. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think they've had any Newcastle. I mean, he must have known Newcastle probably wouldn't, you know, maybe even though even though he's done pretty well, probably the year's time they'll probably over. To, he won't be regular certainly there. You yeah. know, next year maybe certainly the summer after he won't be the, the, the season the season after that. He certainly won't be regular by then. Hmm. Um, in terms of the lineups, I mean, there was a, a couple of rumours going around about some COVID issues in Liverpool squad before the match, and it turns out, well, I mean, there may have been some, but it certainly didn't affect their first team because that was no, pretty much all straight. Really wasn't it? Work out who wasn't available through, uh, yeah, only being that squad certainly. Yeah, I mean, they have, they have Van Dijk and Matip who have been the regular two recent times, Robertson and. and Trent Alexander-Arnold, and then they had um, Henderson, Fabinho, and an on-form cater in midfield with just a small matter of Luis Diaz, um, Sadio Mane, Central, and Mohamed Salah on his usual position. So they're all in their favourable positions as well, all at full strength. That was always going to be difficult. We seem to set up, there was a debate about whether this was going to be 4-3-3 from us or 4-5, or 3-5-2. Um, um, it looks like we set up to try and match them on a 4-3-3 from the beginning of the game. Certainly there was a deliberate four kind of line going across there with Lamptey, um, Central, we had Veltman and, and Lewis, and then we had um, Cuckoo on the left side, and then we had Alzate and Basuma sitting deeper um, with McAllister, the more advanced of the three mid, and then we had Solly playing um, up on the right side, um, Leandro, Trossard on the left, and Morpé up top. Um, it, it was transition, it was transitional a little bit. They changed it around somewhat here and there, but generally, um, that's how we seem to set up. Um, started really well, didn't we? I mean, that first period, there was the, first of all, there's that delightful little swivel move from Alexis McAllister after a few minutes in, which is brilliant, where he completely took out one or two players, made some space. More of that sort of stuff, along with general confidence in the team, interactively, in terms of forming triangles and actually the better movement, um, seemed to be happening in that early phase. 
we looked like we were going to create something, didn't quite, and then yeah, it just fell away. There was one, was it March, with a chance to cross to the far yeah. in the first half and put it straight to their player. And, you know, it's kind of like, I just, it's just so frustrating because we have like, you know, we build up opportunities and we, we make opportunities and yeah, and then, and then just waste them. And it's not even wasting them by missing the shots. Often it's, it's wasting them by, you know, kind of playing the wrong final ball or playing the, yeah, the cross mm. or something hits the first man. Number of set pieces we had to kind of like hit the first man or whatever as well. It's just, yeah, it's, we, we just, we, we lack the, the confidence in the final third. We're fine passing it around the, the earlier parts of the pitch and mm. happy enough there. But when it gets to the, to the, the penalty area, we just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And um, I don't believe we're going to score to my, in my mind and I don't think I believe we're going to score. Yeah. I mean, the, the familiar pattern thing <clears throat> we mentioned before, you know, we had a series of draws in a row. We've now had a series of defeats in a row, which is not a great combination in itself. Um, and again, another part of the familiar pattern is the percentages. Again, even with Liverpool, we had more possession, 52%. I know from what you've just said, that doesn't really count for much. They were happy for us to have the ball, quite yeah. frankly, for a while when they were in the ascendancy. Um, they had 18 shots to our eight and nine on target to our threes. We at least got some shots on target this time. Um, and uh, one block shot as well, for what it's worth. Yeah, one about the seventh minute. I was like, well, that's much better than Villa. And it was yeah. Two minutes for a straight up. Exactly, yeah. And we, we had more corners. So there, 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 was some, there was a flurry of activity. That was later in the game, mainly, wasn't it? Yeah. There was a passage of play. Yeah, the first ten and the last ten, we were okay. It's just a, a shame yeah. the rest of the game happened. <laughs> yeah. um, so no real complaints. I mean, the, the, the stats always will have a degree of um, misleading uh, element to them, won't they? But uh, yeah, uh, at I, least... mean, I, I always think possessions are completely mean and a stat unless you go over territory. Because, I mean, yeah. we spend a lot of time passing it back and forward around the back line. And so, I mean, who cares? You know, it's like pointless possession. It doesn't really get you anywhere, generally, especially against a team ball. Yes, eventually it might get you somewhere against someone like Watford if they pull push forward and you can beat the man. But against Liverpool, it doesn't because they're well-organised and they have a threat of counter-attack. So, I mean, that team, that game on Saturday, although we weren't terrible, was a world away from what I saw at Anfield when we mm. were so good. And yeah, we just, you know, they could, even at 2-0, they couldn't deal with us. And we yeah. had chances and we just missed the chances from 2-0. Um, yeah, and this game, I mean, once they took that lead, it was against the run of play, but once they took the lead, which, you know, amongst other teams that have done that to us, Liverpool are even more likely to because they're a better side than yeah. Villa or Burnley or anyone else. Um, yeah. but they are looking there really like they're in second gear through that match, aren't they? Um, they didn't look like they really need to try too hard. I think yeah. they would have stepped up and squeezed us more. If we got past halfway with, with the score still level, um, it didn't feel at any point as if we were going to win the game. And they hit the post, uh, sorry, the bar as well, although that was a deflected shot. Salah, um, the ball just seemed to, to stick to him two or three times in that passage where he was trying to get through and there was loads of people in his way and the ball just seemed to stick to his foot. Eventually we blocked it when he did try and shoot and it looped onto the bar and away, but, um, that was pretty close. Obviously he did bury the penalty. Um, he probably should have buried the chance a few minutes before that, where there's a good bit of play from them. Yeah. A lovely ball laid into him uh, from Diaz, I think it was, and he just uh, he got too short, uh, too small a contact on it, and it went wide. Um, as soon as the jury looked very good, I thought. I mean, barring the yeah, the cheating, I thought he, yeah. he looked the best player on the pitch, arguably. I'd say yeah, he's very, very, very good. I mean, that's quite a scary thing. There was a point a while ago if only if Amino, um know. Mane and, and Salah were out injured then Liverpool would be dropping in their quality a lot and now they've got five players for those three positions yeah, exactly. and that's, that's the depth that they need to get to, you know, the yeah, and you've got, you've got 
Jota coming off the bench, I put a cheeky bet on him to score thinking he would because I, I thought it was inevitable. Yeah, the, the firepower they've got there. Diaz, yeah, I very much agree. I was very impressed with think he's an excellent player. Um, he's hit the ground running, which is rare for somebody coming over from abroad into the Premier League at such a high level as yeah, well. in January as well. In Jan, yeah. Yeah, in the summer to pre-season or anything like that. He just comes straight in. Yeah. And once again, someone said it in that, um, that immediate post-match stuff that we um, played earlier on, um, that, you know, Van Dijk just seems to be getting better every time you see him. And he's, he's imperious at the back. And you look at the defenders they've got, the, the, the wing-backs as well. I mean, Matic's a good player alongside uh, Virgil. But um, you've got... Uh, You've got Trent and uh, Robertson, haven't you, on the sides? Um, and they both look superb. Robertson just looks so comfortable in that in that position. And he was getting forward plenty as well. There's so many outlets that they've got, and they are a class above. Without, you know, it's no, it's a no-brainer to say that. But um, we're a million miles away from that. What we're hopefully not a million miles away from is is getting somewhere into the top half of the table in the short to medium term. But we do need to address some issues. Undav will definitely improve us, I think. He got a hat-trick, didn't he, I think, last week or yeah. the beginning of the weekend. Um, I think he will offer something else because he's Including just... Including a penalty more... won by Kozlowski as well. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Who I think had come on as a sub. I no, he started. Well. Mateo came oh. up for him. Oh, yeah, that was it. That was he, it yeah. Looking at the thing on the system, he seemed like he started out front alongside Undav, but... Well, I know there are other strikers that is suspended at the moment. But... Really? Kozlowski could play out there. That would be interesting as well, yeah. And... Who knows where that'll go with us, but we do need more to come. We discussed that already, of course. So. I, I thought so we, we missed Moda on Saturday as well. I, I don't know if he was like dropped or if he was rested for um, Tottenham in mind, but he, I, I thought we really missed him. He's, he, he's very busy in midfield. I don't think we quite, I might have brought him on rather than um, Lalana at half time. Obviously, hindsight's a, a great thing. Um, yeah, I think yeah, maybe that, that's a good shout, actually. Yeah, I mean, I sort of forgot that I'd. Um, not noticed Modder's presence as well. I think, yeah, I mean he's uh, he's he's good. He's a really good player in there. He's grown and grown into the role. Um, I think, as I said, Lalana. You know, I, equally you could say it might be a game for Lalana, but it might be a game for Modder. And Modder's more likely to stay on the blooming pitch, isn't he? Um, it's ridiculous. Second time that's happened, Lalana, isn't it? Do you remember there was a game? Yeah. Was it last season when he behind closed doors where he came off um, just after about three minutes or something? Yeah. Like that? Yeah, um, I, I think that the discussion after the game in the pub I was that you've got bad hamstrings. I suppose it's probably like quite unsurprising that initial time might be the most dangerous for you. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I suppose so. But I, I mean, the discussion in the pub afterwards was, you know, really, do we have to kind of draw a line under it? Maybe keep him in the squad, but just to assume nothing from it apart from. We've still got on a year left, so we can't. Yeah, we can't get rid of him. Just late, late sub appearances only, maybe because I. Or cup appearances, so there's less risk to an important game. I don't know. I think, he, I think to be fair, starting he might be better. Is is the coming on at half time or whatever, or mm. sort of thing that's probably more dangerous. Maybe kind of the, the doing a little warm up before the game and coming on is fine. But and he's actually been a lot less injury prone this season than he was last season. In fairness, mm. West Ham away and this are the only times he's gone off injured. I think. From... True, it seemed to be getting better, and I mean the irony is Welbeck seems to have um, stayed okay, and um, but he's gone off form a little bit. He had a good effort there. Um, towards the end, um, after he'd come on um, to try and change things around, that was a good shot, but a save you'd expect Allison to make, but it was a good, you know, solid, be good save. Yeah, so he couldn't hit it down rather than rather than up to Allison's good, good height for Allison, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, just looking at the stats, actually, one or two other curiosities. I've noticed that um, 
Um, interestingly, um, pass accuracy was exactly the same, 78% uh, between the two sides, and we actually passed more than Liverpool. Um, however, what I think is quite an interesting... Again, though, was, what, what are those passes, you know? Well, uh, exactly, yeah. yeah across the back line, passing it to each other. Yeah. Like the longer, kind of more adventurous passes. Exactly, and that's where they... they they're like the difference. first goal one, for yeah. example. Even more telling is probably on long balls, because there, they, they had a 59%... <laughs> Success rate, 36 out of 61 found their man. Um, we had 32%, 21 out of 66. And that feeds into something I noticed during the game, which was the way Liverpool switched the ball from side to side in, say, the middle third and the attacking third of the pitch. It's snappier. It's deadly accurate. The first touch is always excellent. And they kept doing that. And we weren't doing the same from probably slightly more doable positions, um, time and again we saw Solly March or Tarek Lamptey out on the right side, uh, we had Kukureya on a number of occasions on the left side in acres of space, and we didn't really switch the play with what would have been uh, an easy to achieve or an easier to achieve uh, accurate long range pass as it would probably be deemed under these stats um, to really switch the play up a bit, I don't think we stretched them enough because well, quite frankly you've got to do that against any team in the Premier League yeah. especially Liverpool um, I don't think we made the most of what, what we could have done with the space on the pitch. And we do like, you know, to play, to use the pitch normally. Um, possession loss, we had more. Um, so, you know, we, um, but, but it's, it's very frustrating. I found it, um, that we weren't at our best. I do think we improved. I think some individuals improved their performances. Namely, I think Solly had a reasonably good game. I think, um, Tariq looked a little bit more up for it. Um, McAllister, particularly in the first half, and um, also, uh, who else was it? I was going to say to look, look more on their game. I think, well, more pay perhaps as well was looked okay. Um, for me, the issue was I, I think Basuma was okay. I don't think he was he was too bad. And the point was made, whatever you think, maybe he's not affecting the game as well as he could. We certainly were affected by him coming off because we felt more vulnerable. I think as soon as he was off, so he was doing a good job in that regard. Yeah, um, and, he, and he should have had a. He should have led to a really good chance on goal as well. I think it wasn't for Mike Dean's. Yeah, yeah. Um, who, who I do think we've got a problem with at the moment is Trossard. I think he's devoid of confidence. He, again, that chance, it wasn't really. Covid or whatever, whatever it was or something was really, mm. yeah, knocked him back. Cause I think my player of the season for the first time. I mean, I've seen some idiots online saying like, oh, he's, you know, he's not as good as, you know, why did we ever sell knockout and bring him in? That's complete bollocks. Trossard is quite clearly above knockout. And not yeah. like even playing for Fulham at the moment. You know, he's not even close to their first team. Yeah, so, which tells it all. Let's just put something down, down. There is no question anywhere that Knockarts and Trossard is a world above Knockart. And actually, in the end, we didn't get that much. We didn't spend that much more on Trossard than we actually got for Knockart either. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. let's not kind of go that. But he was a uh, two, two, like two thirds of the season. I'd say he's our best player, arguably. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with all of all of what you but, just said there. Yeah, but he, he's having he had, a bad run. He's had COVID, and you know. Mm. It can be quite hard to having literally or having it myself at the moment. I know it's kind of, it's you know it can take a bit out of you. And obviously, when you're having to get up to if you're a professional footballer, if it even takes one percent out of you for any length of time, that's mm. a big thing in football. You know, the kind of the one the small percentage. So. And you've got the psychological element of having been not firing for a while. That all feeds into it as yeah. well. Um, and you know, the pressure continues. It goes on, on and on. Um, and I do think what, what he probably needs, ironically, is a rest from first team for a couple of games. Maybe play him, but 23, so he can he can develop his match sharpness and build his confidence back We've got two and a half weeks off after this. Um, yeah. 
which is yes, which is fair enough. So maybe it might be interesting to see after if you do see an, an improvement after the break, yeah, after the Tottenham game. Um, but he seems out of confidence. I don't know if he's been called up by Belgium, but I don't know if the club can just him up to or. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully he won't go um, at this particular juncture. Um, but I'm thinking we're hearing that Sarmiento's back. He played for the 23s, which I think was why he wasn't in the squad the day after um, for our game. Against yeah, it's good, to have, it's good to have him available again. It's good to have Mepu yeah. in the squad at the weekend. So I would like yeah, we, to see both of those players get some game time if they're uh, able to on on Wednesday. Mepu offers something that we don't have in midfield, really. You know, the kind of well, a shooting. I think he's like he's better at kind of his shots at shooting and, and getting into position to score goals than most of the rest of our midfield. And B, he's got a bit more skill, I think, as well, possibly. And he's just, although he's not the quickest, he's quite yeah. He, he does offer something different. And so even if having him on a bench is an option against Spurs, and certainly once we're back for international break. Well, we've had a few. I mean, he and Webster have both had injury hit seasons, and so you've got to hope that that's a one-off and that they can both get fit for next season and probably have a a run because yeah if we don't really it's bad enough having you know one season of it but if they're both having regular injuries permanently that's a real blow yeah and we have to take that into account we're having still a better season when you look at where we are and where we're likely to end up we're not likely to do any worse than last year in terms of final position I wouldn't think I know it's possible but we I don't honestly think we'd finish um, as low as 16th um, but if we do We've had, we've done so by having a, a more exciting earlier part of the season and having had some injuries to contend with. I know it's not the only season of that, but you know, Webster's been out for a fair period. Dunks missed a few games. Lamptey was out for quite a few games. Um, we've had other players come and go throughout, you know, the usual suspects. Um, and, uh, we've obviously had the issue with Basuma, um, as well. He's had a mixture of injuries and other issues going on. Um, we, we have missed a lot of people out, haven't we, unfortunately? Yeah, and then we've had, is, as you said, the Trossard situation as well. It is funny. We're currently in our highest ever league position, our level highest ever league position, our highest Premier League position, yet we've had our worst Premier League run of defeats and our yes. worst defeats for 15 years, and we've had our worst run without a win in the Premier League. <laughs> yes. Just how inconsistent the season it's been, really. It does seem a bit weird, doesn't losing it? Home, losing home to Liverpool is not the, is not the issue. The issue, again, another home defeat where our home record is absolutely dreadful over the last three years. And I do think that's going to be a, I mean, the 90% they said about season tickets was quite surprising last week. I thought there might be more of a drop-off with all the stuff going on. We've had a dreadful home record for three years under Potter. And, you know, know, if we, it's a concern, it should be a concern for the club to have a bad home record because the home fans are the ones that they get their money from. They're money from away fans. Yeah, I mean, it's odd, isn't it? It feels like there's a malaise, there's a little bit of a lethargy, there's a lot of people wondering whether to renew next year. Uh, it all seems bizarre, given what we just said about our position, um, but it is a lot to do with the home form, definitely. And once again, we've lost a game, not surprisingly on this occasion, but once again, we've lost another home match, and we've got Spurs next, who so could very easily beat us. And if they do, then um, this is a quite a long run of... If they uh, do, I, I, know you're, I know I do think probably 33 will potentially keep us up, but it puts an awful lot of pressure on that Norwich game because yeah. you wonder if we don't beat Norwich, then who we are going to beat. You know, it's kind of, we don't beat Norwich at home. I mean, even Leeds beat Norwich at home. It be very late on, but... Yeah, uh, that's right. The pressure will be on by then because then you've got, what, six games in a row you've lost. There's a game that everyone's going to consider a must-win. That'll be seven, but if we lose to vote, or, or by the time we get to... Yeah, the... yeah, by the time we play Norwich, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and then... 
you're going into whole new territory in terms of losing runs. Yeah. And Norwich you're going away are, games against Arsenal and Tottenham. So at some yeah. point, team we've got to play away. We've got to play United at home. City away. Yeah, City at Arsenal away. Yeah. Ham home, who are mm. obviously having a good season. Yeah. Wolves away, who are having a very good season. So yeah. that, I know they lost yesterday, but having a good season. So there's no really easy. I think we, but after Norwich, but every team we've got to play barring Leeds will be above us at the time. Currently, yeah, that's right. Thirteen, yeah, and it's it's, it's a worry because I said it would be a pressure. I don't think it's to do with you know positions in the table so much. It's just that the run and if we if Norwich is included in that run of winless games, um, or worse still, we actually lose the game and the losing run continues. That would in itself, I mean, asking questions, thinking, well, can we afford to have a run like this when we've had a confident start to the season? And we've had some adversity with injuries and things, but, you know, to drop off the cliff that much would be a concern but when you think that, that happens that, next season. It could be more costly. Is it four wins in 23 now or something like that? Yeah. I yeah. think something like that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, obviously you've got to take it as, a, it's, it, you know, you can't really take it, ignore the first five games. But, you know, it is, you know, we've won as many in the first five games as we have in the last 23. Yeah. So not a good record. Well, next up, we have uh, Spurs on Wednesday, um, midweek game. Are you going to the match, Peter, or how's your COVID situation? Depends on how, yeah, <laughs> how I am. I'm still slightly positive at the moment on in COVID. So, slightly. A faded uh, grey, is it? A yeah, faded it's, grey a, line. it's a faded line rather than the kind of really strong line it was last week. So I'm oh, we've got, got two days on. to try and... Uh, I've got a late fitness test, as they say. <laughs> Excellent. Will you be at your best though, having had COVID? Yeah, you know, well, you exactly. Want, I might want to be 100%. Able to, like, cheer as much as I want to. You know, it's, uh, my, my cheering is not uh, not enough. But yeah, Graham, Graham Potter said he mentioned it in a, in a press conference tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm sure he will. Yeah, uh, it might be cagey. Oh, Peter, I don't want to say. Well, hopefully you will be having a lot that you will need to be cheering. That's what that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Um, because um, yeah, as I said, it's just coming up on Wednesday, a 7:30 kickoff, slightly okay. earlier than the average. Again, we've won the last two seasons. Yeah, that's right. Yes, indeed. Yeah, head to head now is um, eight wins, eight draws, and seventeen defeats. A typical sort of record you'd expect from us against Spurs. Haven't had a lot, awful lot of joy um, recently. Obviously, lost the, the the FA Cup match earlier on this season. We haven't played them in the league yet due to this game having been postponed earlier on. Um, but um, in terms of this match, we have had some success at home. We've had, I think, a couple of draws, and we had, of course, that famous 3-0 win. Um, this game in particular, do you see the pattern changing for this match, Peter? Uh, so we've only lost one of our four home games against Spurs since we've come up. And obviously, we last year, it was our first home win of the season, wasn't it, in late January? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, impressively, impressively long wait. Um, I, I would actually predict a draw. I think we might nip something. They obviously had quite a tough game against United. They weren't that great, I thought, in the cup, to be honest. I thought they'd beat us because we beat ourselves mostly. Yeah, we, agreed. Kind of, and then we had a really good run in the second half and had a good spell and looked good and then see straight after scoring. And that's what lost us the game. But I think generally they did, you know, obviously they rely heavily on Kane and Son. Um, you know, so that, that, if you can keep them quiet, it's a big if. But in beating them the last, mm. I definitely, I think a draw was definitely doable. We played reasonably well. We kind of, we need to take our chance if we get them, and that's obviously the big problem. Um, I'd be tempted to bring back Modder. Um, I'd be tempted to um, maybe wait one or two other changes, but I'd probably bring in three. I know they were obviously worried about his pace, presumably, but I think we'd do better with three at the back with and allowing Lamptey and Kukure, and surely they can cover a bit as well with three centre-halves. So I'd be yeah. tempted to back to that. I wouldn't 
Basuma played well against them um, in, in the midst of yeah. a bad run of form, otherwise speaking. So well, is that, yeah. he played well there, and he played well at Watford, didn't he? When he came on, but mm. that, yeah, he's not been. Yeah. So I would do that. Spurs is very much a, a, an odd kettle of fish, isn't it? You just don't know what you're going to get with. Yeah, them. they're very so, variable. Yeah, I mean, they, they thrashed Everton, but by all accounts, Everton were woeful after a, a, a very brief period at the beginning where they played well. Um, and yet they've, they've, they've lost games, which they probably shouldn't have done. Um, it all depends really. I mean, it seems Kane and Son are getting back onto form, which is a bit of a worry, of course. Um, particularly as they have got to have them twice. Yeah, exactly. Twice in the next five games, four games? Yeah. Four games. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but I mean, I, I um, predicted on the the audio post match in the pub there a two one win, and I've got record of never getting it right. And for one of the more feasible scorelines, if we were to win, um, having been now jinxed, <laughs> and we're, we're, we're down to maybe a one nil win or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to think actually. I think we might end up with a draw in this game now. With hindsight, thinking about it. Yeah, a bit I, more. I think I go for one all. Ultimately. But yeah. please, first winning. We're, we're we're not playing well at the moment, and something like that. Um, although there's been an improvement in the women's team, um, unfortunately they've slipped to a defeat again. It's another. Speaking of North London sides, it's a, one of our. I suppose you can call them bogey teams, but that's not really a surprise given they're a very good side. Arsenal. Um, I haven't seen the game. It was live on TV. Didn't get a chance <coughs> to see it, unfortunately. But um, and I know a couple of uh, friends. I think went, went along to the game. It was at Crawley. They had two and a half thousand just over at the game, which is, I think, a record definitely for them at Crawley. I think it might be a record overall. I'm not quite sure how many we had at the Amex um, on one or two of those occasions. Nonetheless, a brilliant crowd. Um, in the end, Arsenal ran out 3-0 winners, but they are a very good side. Um, the under-23s, um, they were playing on the Friday. We mentioned Sarmiento was back in. Um, what was the score in that one, Peter? 4-2, I think they beat Everton. Yeah, 4-2 against Everton, yeah. yeah. So, some encouragement there. I haven't really looked at the loan stuff. I don't know if you picked up anything from our senior men's loan players. Not particularly, Not no. Not particularly much happening was there. Barry um, and Dad, obviously. I think it's kind yeah. of amazing. Um, one thing we want to talk about briefly before we round off. Um, Chelsea. You, you had a few bits to say about Chelsea. There's been a lot going yeah. on, of course. Um, what's your I, take on everything? I'm not against what the government have done. I just think the whole situation with, 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 you know, we aren't going to bring it back to Newcastle, but the whole hypocrisy around the situation is ridiculous. I mean, Newcastle are allowed to take over by the Saudi government, basically. Let's be honest, there's no point kidding ourselves about who they are, who are bombing massively in Yemen. But because that's not talked about, it's not mentioned, they allow, the, the Premier League and all the situation around it allows that takeover to take place, even though they actually are physically owned by the government, whatever they might put about their bollocks investment funds. On the other hand, Abramovich obviously is close to Putin and shouldn't be, and should have backed, you know, should have criticised the war, etc. Fine, but he is then punished for his association with with uh, with um, Putin. Yet, yeah, the, the Newcastle are allowed to be taken over by people who, by the way, this weekend murdered or executed 81 people on yeah. one. The Saudi government did 81 people on one. Well, while, while the Newcastle fans were yeah. having Saudi flags in the away yeah. end, 81 people they, they killed in mm-hmm. one. Like, you can't tell me that's justice. You, you know, that's 81. It's a lot of people for a, a year for any country, let alone. So uh, while I completely don't have an issue with what they're doing to Chelsea, um, mm. I do have an issue with the fact that they let Newcastle and the Saudis who bombed yeah, Yemen, who murdered their own citizens, who killed journalists, get away with whatever they want. And that's mm. 
that's why I complain with it, the hypocrisy of it. You know, you can't complain about one person's human rights record and connection with Putin when you just let you just let a takeover go ahead from Saudi Arabia. So that's yeah. As always, it comes down to one rule for one and one rule for other. And obviously, decided that Russia is not a the country we want to be associating ourselves with. Well, Saudi Arabia, we want to get arms from, so it's okay to murder your citizens and to take over Newcastle. Mm. And strong yeah, at all. And yeah. <laughs> But I completely agree with that. Yeah, it is duplicitous. It's it's hip hop, hip hypocritical, and it's um it's completely vile, to be quite frank with you. Um, on the on the Abramovich side of things, of course, what he originally said he was going to do, take a back step, then he said he was going to sell the club. Then sanctions finally got imposed after pressure was put on enough on the government, who seems to be quite tight with, or was quite tight with Russia, from what we can see. Uh, and now it looks like it's going to um to generate. Uh, there's the, I mean, the sale might happen. There might be a way of facilitating that, but um, it seems under the current sanctions, we're not quite sure where we stand with that. Um, if they did, I mean, what, what they should be able to do is is sell the club if that's what's needed to allow Chelsea to carry on functioning and just hold hold the money, surely. So you let the sale happen for a reasonable amount and have the money held. So no one's getting ripped off um, as such. If Abramovich ends up getting allowed to function again, Maybe you can have a share, you know, a share of all of that money. But at the moment, it seems ridiculous that they can't sell it without it going to him. Surely there's an alternative way yeah. if selling is what's needed. And it sure is because he, he's put 1.5 billion in. It's amusing he said he doesn't want any money back, but then he's trying to sell the club for 3 billion. I think, um, Chelsea's not worth 3 billion. <laughs> Quite honestly, um, yeah. I mean, I, I was actually. He did really also say that, that it, yeah. I mean, he did also say he was going to the sales would go to proceeds to charity related to the Ukraine crisis. But uh, that's what he said. I, I was, I was thinking about putting a bid in, but then I realised I don't have three billion pounds, <laughs> or even one billion. Probably spent it on that Worthing weekend. <laughs> now the drink we are. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I it, it's talking about. I, I would, I had like one pint for the weekend. <laughs> The, the state of play there, it's incredible to think of the connotations. It's a huge story. I mean, Chelsea, yeah. I don't think they'll be the biggest problem. Yeah, yeah. There's no way they're going to put Chelsea out of business. No, there'll be too much pressure put from certain quarters somewhere or other, won't there? Um, there's a number of people interested in buying it, including some property guys, and then Nick Candy, who seems a quite an abrupt but straight-down-the-line individual who has apparently born and bred Chelsea fans since the age of four. So, you know, it'd be interesting if they actually get a, a, an owner fan again, uh, which effectively is what Abramovich became. I think he was a genuine fan of the club, yeah. wasn't he? He's sort of really taken it to his heart. We'll say that much, but um, how it ends up, who knows? It's a fascinating situation, actually. Um, anyway, that's that. We're on to the game. Of- was, one thing I was going to say, well, there was a, like, a comment I read the other day, which I didn't necessarily agree with about how good riddance to him from English football point of view, because um, because of, uh, he basically brought up all the prizes, he's changed everything in English football. And I... I would say that was Man U who changed everything in English football with their, with pushing for the Premier League in the first place and all that sort of thing. Man U are the kind of club who are mostly to blame, in my view, for what's happened today. Chelsea are just a, a, a logical continuation as a Man City, as a Newcastle now. You know, the fault for where football sits currently that sits with Man U as far as I'm concerned and they're pushing for greater money for, to get and bring the Premier League in. That is why we are where we are. And the yeah. where, you know, players earn 500 grand a week and then clubs like Macclesfield go out of business because of 500,000 a player's weekly wage you know it's like that's 
It's that blame more situation life of United as far as I'm concerned. Those are, all the other things that followed were always going to follow. People like taking over Chelsea and City and that sort of thing were going to follow. That was a, you know, a fact of life. That is a fair point. Um, final, final thing for me really actually, it ties in with, um, two things. First of all, on the Chelsea side of things, we, um, we didn't have this on the podcast actually, but Dick Knight in a previous conversation has, or on more than one occasion, has stated that when we were making applications for the Amex Stadium, I don't think we got it on the pod anyway, and when, when we were making applications for the stadium, um, there was a point where it was judged that it wasn't in the public's wider interest and that was part of the findings of one of the reports which obviously caused outrage and we appealed to all clubs to show their support by saying it is in the public interest etc and the only club out of the 92 at the time uh, well 91 other clubs at the time um, that didn't send a letter of support was Chelsea and that was under this regime I think the chairman may have been different at the time or the CEO who was handling it or rather not handling the issue and um, all we needed was just a basic letter saying yeah we support that it's absolutely no cost at all to Chelsea. It's just three minutes of time of one executive on one day um, to help out another club who was in no way a direct rival at the time or anything like that. And yet they couldn't do that. Despicable. And I remember yeah, asking yeah. Dick Knight at the time, it was at Seagulls Ever London meeting, um, you know, what, that's outrageous and watching what happened from there. And he said that he, he wrote to Abramovich, who he, he thinks had a house in Sussex actually as well, According to him at the time, I don't know if that's true. But anyway, he wrote to Abramovich, um, presumably through the club, and just said, "Look, out of interest, why why have you not been able to help us with this?" And um, I think he got either no reply or he got a generic message from the CEO saying, uh, "We're not going to be involved in other clubs' affairs," something like that. So, as far as I'm concerned, if anything does happen, stuff Chelsea. To be honest, um, I wouldn't want them to go out of business because I'm not that kind of. Um, vindictive about it but you know I, I don't really give a shit how how far down the pecking order they might drop as a result of this as you said probably not far at all or for long no, at all it's, but, all it's all a lot of drama at the moment nothing's going to yeah. happen they'll quietly get taken over before the summer and then they'll, and then they'll end up being back where they are probably four again next season yeah. Abramovich Abramovich might well have been having a genuine love for the club he may have a genuine affection for some of the fans um, but quite frankly, none of that stacks up when he's apparently been uh, collaborating on causing problems, economically speaking, through energy uh, in Ukraine. Prior to this, he's got connections with Putin, which have been established, um, supposedly, from what we hear. Yeah, um, so I've, so got, I've no got no sympathy for him. I've got no, no sympathy with, with Chelsea yeah. from the point of view of Abramovich. No, my issue is the hypocrisy of what yeah. they're in Newcastle as compared to, you know, less between the you know, and, and similarly, it's the same in the media. No one talks about the Saudis bombing Yemen full stop because it's not on our, you know, it's not in Europe and it's not, and, and because of our, you know, because our country wants to be allies with Saudi Arabia, apparently. But, yeah. you know, we don't get yeah. political, but obviously Russia, uh, you know, obviously the, they obviously are the bad guys, but so are Saudi Arabia, you know, yeah. they're not being talked about in a situation, in another situation like this. Exactly. And, and for, on the fan side of things, and a lot of criticism of Newcastle fans recently, and they had Saudi flags in the away end, uh, which I think is disgraceful. Uh, quite frankly, um, I know they'll say it's to, just to do with those particular individuals uh, who happen to be that nationality. Do you really need to take the flag to show your support for that mm, element of it? Awesome. If that's what, yeah. And Chelsea, yeah. disgraceful when there was the moments of applause for Ukraine a couple of games ago um, around the country. Um, at the the Chelsea match, um, their fans were singing Abramovich's name over the 
the applause. Now, okay, you might want to have your support for a guy who's done a lot for your club. That is not the moment to do not it. Time, I think, yeah. I think in Hockey general. Fans are renowned for their, uh, common sense and decency, aren't no, they? No. So, so that for those people, I absolutely am repulsed. E- even Chelsea fans I know say that they're fat and dickheads. <laughs> Uh, and the, the other thing related, I was mentioning to it tonight, the other thing is we, we might well do, I'm sure we will do a review or a match day special for the Spurs game. But after that, there is a little bit of a hiatus in terms of um, games. But what we have got is um, a conversation with Dick Knight, which will represent parts three and four of the Dick Knight four-part box set, <laughs> um, which we will be publishing. Yeah, available from all good newspapers for Christmas. <laughs> That's right, yes. yes. Get in early, folks. Um, Dick Knight files or something like that for the... <laughs> Yeah. It, that will be just a usual podcast release. Um, but that, that'll be coming up after we've dealt with the Spurs game. So fill in the void nicely for you. That, that conversation has already taken place. In case you're missing our voices during international break, we're <laughs> heading to, uh, to, what's it? We're heading to, um, Potter's Bar and Chesant. That's right. Yes. To catch up on uh, a couple of Worthing away days and ticking off a new grounds. And a winning uh, the weekend. Yes, indeed, they won again, so they are moving a step closer. By the time we play Chesant, um, I think they might be uh, pretty close to the uh, celebration time, I think, if things carry on the way they're going. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll be doing that. Um, but, yes, yeah, stay tuned for probably a Spurs um, report or review of some sort. And then after that, the Dick Knights, three and four, coming up. Um, but in the meantime, Peter, that's it for this episode. So, as usual, we will round off as we normally do. By saying stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.